From WGVU, this is Focus West Michigan for Tuesday, February 27, 2024. I'm Joe Balecki. For our main feature today, Kim Carson talks with Kalamazoo-based Reverend Millard Southern about how he uses jazz to bring the community together. Also, the president of Kelvin University has stepped down. The Kent County Sheriff's Office is partnering with the Michigan Incarcerated Veterans InReach Program and more state and West Michigan news. Focus West Michigan is brought to you by listeners like you. To support this show and everything we do, visit wgvunews.org and click the donate button. The president of Kelvin University in Grand Rapids has resigned after allegations of inappropriate conduct. WGVU's D. Morrison reports. The Board of Trustees announced the resignation of Kelvin University President Weeb Bohr in a public statement. Bohr has been president of the Christian Bay School since 2022. The university received a report alleging Bohr engaged in unwelcome and inappropriate communication with a member of the campus community who is not a student. The report did not allege sexually explicit communication or physical contact, but the board called the conduct concerning and inappropriate. Dr. Bohr denied some of the allegations, but did admit to sending communications that were inappropriate. He offered his resignation, which the board accepted. Vice President of Advancement Gregory Elzinga has been named as interim president. I'm Dee Morrison. The Kent County Sheriff's Office is partnering with the Michigan Incarcerated Veterans InReach Program. WGVU's David Limbaugh explains how that partnership works. The mission of my VIP is to reach veterans where they are and provide them with the resources needed to be successful post-incarceration. The program collaborated with 23 veterans within the Kent County Jail to provide them with services like benefits, discharge paperwork, housing assistance, and transportation vouchers. Kent County Sheriff Michelle LaJoy Young explains why she feels it's important important to help these veterans with their transition. These members of our community have served us and we have to serve them. We have to make sure that they're supported as they rejoin our communities. The Kent County Sheriff's Office was the first jail in the state to partner with MyVIP. LaJoy Young says the program has proven to be successful. I think it's really significant that we have seen 1% uh, recidivism rate from veterans who've gone through this program. That's compared to a rate of 45% of inmates who are released that end up back in jail. When we have a program that effectively reduces that to 1%. I think that is a good value for everybody involved. Due to Kent County's success with the program, additional jails throughout the state have contacted MyVIP in the hopes of starting the program as well. MyVIP is currently utilizing a three-year grant to expand its reach into those new jails. The Kent County Sheriff's Office expects to continue the program as well. I'm David Limbaugh. More details are coming out about a planned Grand Rapids soccer stadium after the developer filed formal plans with the city on Friday. WGVU's Dee Morrison has the latest. Grand Action 2.0 officially filed construction plans with Grand Rapids for a soccer stadium on the city's west side Friday. The planning application shows the project will cover more than seven acres of city-owned land adjacent to US 131, with Winter Avenue to the west and Pearl Street to the south neighboring the YMCA. The stadium would include two buildings connected by a circular concourse constructed of metal and glass designed to reflect the community's furniture and boat making 
making history. The three-story West Building would house a restaurant, team store, suites, and a press box. The one-story East Building would include locker rooms, team space, security, and maintenance areas. Plans call for 8,500 seats with room to expand to 11,000 seats in the stadium that would potentially host a professional United Soccer League team, as well as tournaments for youth, high school, and college teams. Developers have indicated the site could be a mixed-use facility for events and festivals such as Art Prize and World of Winter and would employ 260 people. The Planning Commission is scheduled to discuss the special land use request March 28. I'm Dee Morrison. The death over the weekend of Flint City Councilman Eric Mays does not mean the end of numerous lawsuits the controversial politician has pending against the city and others. Mays died of natural causes on Saturday. He was 65. His attorney, Joseph Canizo, says Mays was a plaintiff in several federal and state lawsuits against the city. He says the councilman's death does not mean the litigation dies with him. If Mr. Mays could could communicate a message from beyond the grave, I think he would say that he, he would fully support us continuing to fight on his behalf and for the uh, the people of the first ward of the city of Flint, and not just the first ward. One of the lawsuits challenges the process Flint's mayor has used to prioritize proposals for spending tens of millions of dollars in federal American Rescue Plan funds. Dozens of people voiced their opposition to funding for an Upper Peninsula copper mine during a meeting of the Michigan Strategic Fund Board today. The board is part of a state partnership focused on economic development in Michigan. It is currently considering a $50 million grant for the proposed mining project called Copperwood. The operation would extract copper from a deposit adjacent to Lake Superior and Porcupine Mountain State Park, often referred to as the Porkies. Critics say they have a number of concerns, including threats to tourism and the risk of water pollution. Kathleen Heideman is with the Upper Peninsula Environmental Coalition. Anyone who loves the Porkies would shudder to imagine something as big as 278 Michigan State Capitol buildings all glued together, filled with mine waste. Proponents of the project say it would bring investment to a struggling rural economy and provide domestic copper, which is a critical component for lots of renewable energy infrastructure. Officials with the Michigan Strategic Fund say they're weighing all opinions, but they are still uncertain of when a decision on the grant money will be made. One of the more divisive Democrats in the U.S. Senate says he's on a listening tour to bring Americans together. West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin made his case for bipartisanship at a meeting of the Detroit Economic Club yesterday. Manchin claims both Republicans and Democrats are bowing to the most extreme segments of their parties, while the U.S. electorate wants officials who govern from the center. In recent years, Manchin often stalled President Biden's agenda if it threatened the coal production in his home state, especially the development of a U.S. supply chain for electric vehicles. Now we're going to be totally reliable on China for the energy portion of this vehicle. You're crazy. I says, I'm old enough to remember waiting in line in 1974 with the oil embargo to buy gas. I'm sure as heck not going to wait in line to buy a battery. Manchin is retiring after his term ends this year. He says he has no plans to run as a third-party presidential candidate. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley wrapped up a two-day, two-stop Michigan tour in Grand Rapids on Monday, just ahead of today's primary. WGVU's David Limbaugh was there. Having stumped in Troy on Sunday, Republican primary nominee hopeful Nikki Haley spoke to a crowd of hundreds at the Amway Grand Plaza on Monday. Before speaking to the public, she took time to address the press about where she stands in the polls after her loss to Donald Trump in South Carolina. 
Carolina, the state she used to govern. The biggest takeaway, I think, coming in after South Carolina is you look at all the early states and Donald Trump, as technically the Republican incumbent, did not win 40 percent of the vote. Haley went on to say that something is shifting in the Republican Party and Michigan is no exception to that rule. Look at the Michigan Republican Party. I was here campaigning in 2012 for people running for office. Michigan was a bright light. They were winning races up and down the ticket. They had passed a right to work law. Everything was great. And once Donald Trump came in 2016, they've now lost the governor's race, the governor's mansion. They've lost the state house. They've lost the state Senate. The party is completely divided. Haley says that thanks to Donald Trump, the Republican Party is completely divided throughout the country. And there's no way to win a general election with a divided party. When pressed as to whether or not she could win a state in any primary going forward, Haley said she's not able to predict the future, but did say, I think that if I'm not an alternative in this race, I think that Donald Trump will lose. It's that simple. I'm David Limbaugh. Forgot where you parked the car? Neuroscientist Lisa Genova says that's annoying, but totally normal brain behavior. Disease, she says, looks pretty different. If you have Alzheimer's, you could be standing in front of your car and you don't recognize it as yours because you don't remember what your car looks like. How we remember and why we forget. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Saturday at noon here on WGVU 88.5 and 95.3 and the WGVU app. As we round out Black History Month, today we take a look at Allen Chapel AME Church in Kalamazoo and its celebration of cultural diversity with a community jazz program. Kim Carson sat down with Reverend Millard Southern. This first aired as part of our Kalamazoo Lively Arts series. We're sharing this again today. Reverend Millard Southern with the Allen Chapel AME Church celebrates cultural diversity with a community jazz program featuring the Baylor Project. Well, today I'm talking with Reverend Millard Southern, who's the senior pastor of one of the oldest churches in Kalamazoo, the oldest black church in Kalamazoo. It's Allen Chapel AME. It's a church on Kalamazoo's north side. Thank you so much for talking with me here today. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, I wanted to talk to you about the importance of partnerships and also introducing jazz to young people, because recently you did just that. Tell me a little bit about how you came to kind of collaborate with United Methodist Church, which is a white church. Your church is a predominantly black church. These partnerships are so important, especially now. As pastor of Allen Chapel Amy Church, I believe that collaboration and uh, working uh, with other churches and community leaders and organizations is vitally important. It helps our community to grow. It sustains and build relationships. And we need that. We need to stay in dialogue. We need to stay in communication about the issues that affect us and our world today. And so as pastor, um, my mission is to continue to build relationships um, across racial, cultural, and ethnic lines so that we can grow together as a community much stronger than what we've been. So I had an idea to collaborate with uh, First United Methodist Church located in downtown Kalamazoo to come together and to uh, have a community jazz program. 
And the interesting thing about jazz music is that it brings the community together. And if there's anything that we need in this day and time is to bring the community together. And so um, on March 19th, it was a celebration of community. Um, it was a celebration of cultural diversity through music, through an art form known as jazz music. And one of the things I like about jazz music is that it embodies a lot of things about our culture. Jazz music is about improvisation. It's about finding your voice. It's about uh, giving people the creative space to express who they are. And so on March 19th, we had a wonderful opportunity to um, hear the Baylor Project. And the Baylor Project uh, combines jazz and gospel and soul. But at the end of the day, after leaving the concert, you are inspired um, to go back to your own communities to be stronger. Project. I mean, they were nominated, what, for Grammys, I think six times they received the NAACP Image Award. Um, how did you come to know them? I mean, do you do you play an instrument as well? Sure. I play the trumpet. Um, I love jazz music. I'm also a writer and I'm finishing my book on jazz music and American democracy. But I lived in New York City. And one of the things about uh, New York City is they have this community of jazz musicians where you get to know each other. So I befriended the Baylors and throughout our relationship, um, you know, we would strengthen each other through the music. And so when I became pastor here, I thought of an idea of bringing them to Kalamazoo so they could help us celebrate uh, who we are through an art form known as jazz music. And what do you believe when, when you think about art and music together? What do you think art and music bring to the community of Kalamazoo? I mean, especially in the state of the world that we're in now. I'm glad you asked that question. Most importantly, our young people uh, need more opportunities for art and music. We need more creative spaces where we can think outside the box. And art and music allows us to do that. We need art and music because it teaches us about the history of our country, about how we have come through great struggles, but we've been resilient in the process of doing that. And so it invites young people to come into creative spaces so that they can learn and grow and be inspired. And I think that's what the city of Kalamazoo needs, more opportunities for our young people to engage in art and music. And Reverend, in the past, I mean, this was kind of a role that the church played. It's, it's, it's like you're bringing it back. 
Oh yes, especially in a black church, music is very important. It uplifts the spirit. You know, the power and the beauty of music in a black church is what has allowed us to survive from the early slave spirituals through uh, the gospel songs of civil rights, even gospel hip hop nowadays, music is vitally important and essential. You know, you've been here for almost three years. What's next? I mean, where are you, where are you trying to take, take your ministry? Well, I want to continue to engage uh, the community of the north side of Kalamazoo. There are a lot of issues that we're facing, social, cultural, political, and spiritual. And my desire is to continue to work with city officials and state legislators so that we can address systemic problems of evil in our community. Our young people need leaders to step up. Our young people need voices to rise up and to condemn injustices and evil in our community. And so I want to continue to work with uh, organizations and foster a sense of commitment to addressing those issues in our community. Well, I make a, a mean peach cobbler. I know you were looking for one of those. I saw it on social media. I may have to figure out a way to get one to you. <laughs> oh, that's that's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> but, but Reverend Miller, I wanted to just thank you so much for talking with me here today and, and for spreading all the good that you're spreading in Kalamazoo. It's so appreciated and needed. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Support for Kalamazoo Lively Arts is provided by the Irving S. Gilmore Foundation, helping to build and enrich the cultural life of greater Kalamazoo. This has been Focus West Michigan from WGVU for Tuesday, February 27, 2024. I'm Joe Balecki. Our audio operations manager is Rick Beerling, and our news and public affairs director is Patrick Center. We'll be back with more news and events in West Michigan tomorrow, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.